0: Hello and welcome to a new episode of the Morningstar Journal uh, featuring me, Tariq. And if you had a chance to follow me on uh, Instagram, Twitter, you'll know that today we're going to be talking about, uh, in my opinion and my opinion of a lot of people, one of the greatest and best adventures film of all time, that is Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, if you listen in the background, you can hear a little bit of the, it, at least the uh, intro, the main Indiana Jones uh, soundtrack or uh, t- theme, I should say. And uh, like I said today, we're going to, I want to go over Raiders of the Lost Ark because I just feel that it's one of the greatest adventure films um, of all time and pretty much set the stage for everything um, in a lot of ways and a lot of different levels, not just as a film, but just um, character wise, music, uh, shots, uh, even just secondary things that happen in the film. tell um, <laughs> so I'm very excited with it. Uh, but first off, um, go over a few things though. Want to wish everybody who's listening a happy new year. Uh, 2018 is behind us, 2019 is in front of us, so I uh, want to take it head on. My uh, voice sounds a little weak, unfortunately it looks like uh, the entire state, nay the entire world, uh, may be going through a little bit of a cold spell. Seems like everyone I talk to, um, either here, across the pond, or wherever, they, everybody feels a little bit sick and losing their voice, so um, I, luckily I haven't lost it yet, and I really wanted to get this episode out. I had initially planned to do a book instead, it was a book series I really wanted to get into, and uh, for whatever reason, I don't know, maybe because I was just, um, during New Year's uh, Eve, New Year's Day, I was kind of just chilling at home. And I just felt the need to watch Raiders and I just had to talk about it. So, uh, first off, normally in any kind of review like this, I usually try to read like the back of, uh, you know, like a DVD cover or just an intro to you know, if you guys are not familiar. Now, if you're listening to my podcast, you're probably familiar with Indiana Jones, but just in case, if maybe a little bit younger, you know, you just never thought about it, I'm going to give you uh, my description of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now, this isn't something that I took from any uh, known uh, kind of uh, publication or anything. This is uh, descript, this is a whole kind of paragraph that I've made up for the movie, um, taken from different sources here and there, but this is completely new. So this is my kind of overall kind of description for Isla Stark for you. One of the greatest action-adventure movies of all time, Raiders of the Lost Ark, released on June 12, 1981, defined the adventure genre to this day. Taking place in 1936, we follow Dr. Indiana Jones, famed professor, archaeologist, and obtainer of rare antiquities around the world in search of hidden historic hidden historic and religious artifacts. Deciphering a communiqué out of Europe, agents of the U.S. Army Intelligence seek out Dr. Jones for his expertise on what the Nazis are looking for. Dr. Jones realizes what they're searching for and is tasked by the agents to track down clues and finding the lost Ark of the Covenant before the Nazis. Believe in scripture and legends of the Ark. Nazis think that with this artifact, they can use it in in their upcoming war to make their armies invincible. And army intelligence doesn't want to take a chance that it could be true. During his journey, Andy runs into Marion Ravenwood, daughter of an old mentor who knew the history of the Ark. And may have an artifact that will help him with his search. As well as Sala, a skilled excavator and longtime friend of Indy, currently living in Cairo, Egypt. Unfortunately, hot on his trails is a group of Nazi soldiers led by a Gestapo agent, Arnold tot who, who will use any and all means to reach the Ark for his viewer. They're also aided by French archaeologist Rene Belloc a fierce and deceptive rival to Indy and willing to help the Nazis find the Ark, which he feels is the greatest find in human history and may even be a transmitter or radio for speaking to God. Indy will travel from the jungles of South America College classrooms in San Francisco, a secluded tavern in Nepal, deep deserts of Egypt, and to a remote island in the Aegean Sea in hopes to reach the Ark first. So, there's so much to talk about this movie, and um, I feel like that description covers just about everything. You need to know to just jump into this without revealing a lot of the uh, twists and turns and you know things that happen. So, uh, going forward from this point, I am gonna be spoiling this movie. Now, this came out back in 1981. So, you definitely had time to see this movie. And if you haven't, go ahead. You can pause my episode and go ahead and watch it. It's available on DVD and Blu-ray. It is also right now on Netflix. You can watch it. For, I mean, if you have a Netflix, it's just there. You can skip watch it. You can watch all the Indiana Jones. Now, one of the things I want to talk about um, sorry, and I like to do a lot of these retrospectives and say what it really meant to me is that Raiders of the Lost Ark, I used to always think of it as Indiana Jones in Raiders of the Lost Ark and most people know that it was only called Raiders of the Lost Ark. Now it came out in 91, so, I mean 81, sorry. So I was only about, you know, about one at the time that this came out, so More than likely, I did not go into the theaters to see this. Um, And even if my uh, parents did take me, I was completely unaware of the movie. Um, So, I pro and, but I knew about the movie because I did know of Temple of Doom, which is the uh, sequel slash kind of prequel to this movie. This came out later, but supposedly takes place uh, before the events of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, so I more than likely had seen *Raise the Lost Ark at least um, on TV as well as Civil War Doom because when Last Crusade, which is the third one that came out, that one I definitely remember seeing in theaters and I remember that I was very hyped for it. And I don't think you get that unless you've seen the previous two. Then again, the movie was actually pretty awesome and that's another movie that I might get to. But I but I do recall that when I first saw it, I thought that Raiders was an amazing movie just from top to bottom. And over the years, as I started to appreciate more things, like my appreciation for music, um, watching more movies and seeing kind of like cinematography as far as like how stunts are done and how special effects are done. And it made me appreciate this movie more and more. Um And like I said, I'm going to ramble on a lot of different things in the movie. I'm going to jump around on a lot of different subjects. So bear with me as you take this ride with me. And uh, hopefully we'll try to contain this in only one episode. But um, so to kind of get back on a lot of different things on this movie. um, One of the kind of funny things is... uh, in the very beginning sequence, um, in which he's in South America, actually tracking down an idol. Uh, there's a, is a well, not cameo, I guess it would be a cameo, but I mean he's in the most of the beginning part until unfortunately he is not in it. Uh, is an actor Alfred Molina, who. I really know him from, is from Spider-Man 2 as Doc Ock. And I believe this is one of his first um, debut, or this was his first debut you know, on film. And in the beginning, he plays this kind of, um, I don't want to say assistant, probably just a local, uh, like local help. Um, you know he's from you know probably from like a neighboring uh, town or city uh, where he's trying to find this relic and he's just probably one of the locals who manages to you know convince to help him find this unfortunately during the course of uh, going through this temple um, he gets betrayed basically he, the temple's is falling on all around him and um, Molina's character has already swung across a gap but the um branch broke and he needs the whip and he's like well if you throw me the idol i'll give you the whip uh, unfortunately after indy throws him the idol he just kind of drops the whip down floor and, uh vimuses but uh unfortunately that doesn't work out too well for him so and on a slight side note he plays doc ock In the most recent Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. There is another Doc Ock that... Okay. For the next couple seconds, there's going to be a spoiler for Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. This is a spoiler for Into the Spider-Verse. If you have not seen it, you can skip it for the next 30... Sorry. uh, About... We'll say 60 seconds, just to be sure. So... This is a spoiler for Into the (coughs) Spider-Verse. Sorry. Catherine Hahn plays a character called Liv. Who turns out to be Doc Ock. And she does a phenomenal job as the new Doc Ock. And I have to say that uh, if, if somebody who knows Marvel Studios hears this. They have yet to introduce Doc Ock into the MCU. I believe Catherine Hahn is a wonderful actress. And I think that if you would introduce her as Doc Ock, even though this would be a female version, I don't think anyone... You may have one or two people that might complain, but if you can get that same... <clears throat> Intense, the same kind of characterization, the intensity she put in there animated and put it live action, I don't think you'll have much complaints. And you'd have a strong female villain um, in the MCU. So you cannot go wrong with that. But anyway, back to Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. That's what we're done So, um, before I go into that scene, which is so iconic, and I'm going to over against a lot of things that are iconic about this, let's go some basics on the movie. So, the movie directed by Steven Spielberg, which everyone knows now is this great um, uh, director, but you know back then he was still kind of coming up. And I started learning that really, at this time, Steven Spielberg wanted to actually make a James Bond film. But, um, during, during those times, James Bond was a very, uh, close knit kind of property. Like they, um, the, uh, whoever was, uh, from what I understand, um, either Hollywood or people who were in charge of James Bond really were kind of selective on who they gave it to. And they didn't want to give it to this American director just coming up. So... When he what when he did want to make something, um, and actually one of their producers and uh, one of, and who helped write this one, George Lucas, who was a friend of his, um, they had worked together, of course, uh, a little bit with um, George Lucas's recent film of Star Wars that you know you may have heard of, um, and he said, "Look, I've got this uh, script that I had written up for kind of like this adventure." film but I never really had a chance to really put it out you know why don't you you know take it and see what you could do with it and he did and we got Raiders of the Lost Ark so and if you look at Raiders of the Lost Ark you can almost see where it could have been a James Bond film I mean you take out certain elements like if you replace US Army intelligence with British intelligence and he's James Bond, so it was MI6. You change Marion to maybe be a little bit more knowledgeable. The art keeps all the same. It's, and maybe, and even change the, and let's say you change the Nazis into, at that point it was uh, Spectre. I believe that's the major James Bond um, villain group. You change those little things here and there Raiders Lost Ark is a James Bond film. If you look at it, you know different light. Um, also, um, one of the things I want to talk about the one of the really strong aspects of Raiders Lost Ark. Um, again, like I said, I'm jumping around a lot on this. Is the um, is how much grounded it really is if you really think about it because throughout throughout pretty much like. maybe 90% of the movie, it's all practical. I mean, you've got, you know, little dungeons that have, uh, you know, prop rocks and prop uh, bricks and things like that. But you've got these, you know, real items that are either falling on or falling near our characters. You have real snakes. I was watching the behind the scenes and they, at, at one point, they had like around some 2,000 snakes all on the floors and Steven Briggs was actually upset because there were times where he wanted to do wide shots but because they kind of still clustered in certain areas, there were a lot of shots where there weren't as many snakes so his idea instead of like, oh, I'm just going to shoot you know, smaller shots or oh, I'll try to spread the snakes I have he added more snakes <laughs> And, he told, and you could actually watch um, some behind the scenes where he says, yeah, let me get about um, 7,000 more snakes on top of the 2,000 we already have. And then, you know, we'll have enough for the wider shots. And you're just like, what? And he is totally serious on this. It's not like he's joking. No one's laughing about this. He's dead serious. He wants 7,000 more snakes. And from what I understand, they rated every... Uh, pet shop, zoo shop, wherever they could to add more snakes. And it is just insane, but it makes the film, it makes that whole, I believe, uh, well, soul section, just amazing. And uh, something else that I saw that they, you know, they did to make sure that for one, you even see in that same, pre- in that same kind of section where they're like, okay, I need somebody's job to make sure the pythons don't hurt the actors. And That is their entire job, and it shows you how serious they were. And they even talk about that when they were on there, they all the actors treated it seriously because, um, you know, even though I think all the snakes weren't poisonous, you know, it's still dangerous, it's you know, it's still dangerous, you know, bites and stuff. So they had people, you know, I said they had medicine and antidotes, you know, like there in case anybody hurt. Uh, the case with the uh, cobra. And I tried looking for it and I could not see it. So maybe uh, some people with with better eyes can actually catch it. There's actually a glass uh, divider between Indy and that snake. And then later it'll be uh, Marion and the snake but uh, and the cobra. But there's actually a glass divider. And if you watch behind the scenes, of course you know, it's the wide shot, so you see, like, the behind-the-scenes look, you could actually see there is a glass between Indy and that snake. Because, you know, they're not going to take chances on that with Harrison Ford. But um there's definitely that glass divider. And, um you know, and he says, like, oh, you can kind of see it even in the film. And I'll tell you what, I can't see it. So, great job. But kind of getting back to what I'm saying about is that the entire movie is pretty much practical. And the only special effects you get are like when there's a scene where the Jeep uh, goes over the cliff and doesn't look too good because I think it's like, you know, they kind of had to make this fake area anyway and then having this Jeep go off, you know, they you see at time. And then, of course, the very end. But what I'm going to get in that as far as the practical stuff is that Even within the movie, it's practical because no one believes, within the story, no one believes that the Ark can do what scripture says it can. I mean, of course, um, the Nazis believe it and Bella kind of thinks it. Um, Indy doesn't believe in, as he says, hocus pocus and supernatural things, which... I feel like it's a line that directly <laughs> he pulls from uh, Star Wars when he was talking with uh, Obi-Wan's talk to him about the force. But, um, you know, no, you know, he doesn't believe it. And if you think about within the context of the movie, at no point does anyone who sees what happens lives because the spoilers at the end of the movie, they open the arc and it releases all these spirits that kill all the Nazi people, um, the Gestapo agent and Belloc. But through the whole sequence, both Marion and Indy keep their eyes closed and keep it closed until the arc is closed again and all their ropes have been burnt off around them. Like, it, I can't imagine what that would... Even feel like or seem. There's a new um, movie that just came out called Bird Box, which um, supposedly, I guess, when you if you see these creatures, you uh, you'll commit suicide. But just think about like what that would be like if, let's say, you were tied up and you knew that if you opened your eyes right now, uh, you'd pretty much die. And you're hearing spirits and wailing. You know all these guys that had captured you just a few moments ago. You can hear some of them screaming. There's some kind of heat that's that before it was pretty cool. But now there's like this inferno that seems to be surrounding you but not burning you. And you have to do the whole thing, you, and you hear thunder, cracking, you know, and you're just, you have to keep your eyes closed. And the minute you open your eyes, everyone that was around you is gone. The ark is just sitting there on the platform, and the ropes that were around you are burnt off. Now you, you felt heat, you felt it get warm. But the ropes that were tied, that were directly on your wrist, around your arms, are completely burnt off. And you gotta imagine that if it was hot enough to burn the rope like that, it should have burnt you. And it didn't. Your clothes are fine. The person you're with is fine. (laughs) And like I said, but everyone's gone and it's only the arc. And I think that's a, a moment that As the audience, of course, we saw everything that happened. But to them, they have no clue on what happened. And I think that's really amazing. And even in the end, kind of jumping to the end there, when uh, they take the arc, Indy kind of still wants to research it. Because he's, you know, he's he's so, he, he, he understands something happened. But he still wants to research it. And yet the government's kind of like, uh, yeah, you, sh- you shouldn't be holding on to this, uh, and they put it in I think even a worse place in the well of Souls in a army uh in a army bunker warehouse, probably in the middle of area fifty one or something like that, which it does come up in Crystal Skull, which uh, may or may not. I may have to give that movie another thought, just watching this one again, but you know who knows. Maybe that'll come up later, but let's go back to behind the scenes. So, you know, talk about Steven Spielberg. This is a kind of his answer to, uh, James Bond in a sense, the James Bond films. And I think it's pretty, it's actually a pretty good one. And heck, if you were to tell me this, you know, you're going to do a James Bond film where he has to track down Spectre from getting an artifact that they think they can use to rule the world. I Heck, at this point, I think that it works. Um, And then, of course, I mentioned George Lucas, who helped write the story and was an executive producer. And George Lucas brought a lot of different things with him. So you've got um, music listening to by John Williams, of course, um, and the London Symphony Orchestra. And I've told you before how much I love music. And this is one of the antithesis of what, Music does. The intro you're, you're kind of listening to in the background sums up Indiana Jones perfectly. You get that sense of adventure, of action. Um, there's the quiet moments where you know you can hear his thoughtfulness, and I wish I had the full soundtrack because. The very beginning where you have him going through the temple in South America and that music, that eerie music as he's, you know, fighting the booby traps and going over different areas. It is just amazing. Gets you the sense of feel of what it's like. And then when he gets the idol, you know, it's like... It it gives you a moment of hope, like, he got the idol, so everything's good, but then when the uh, pillar starts to lower down, the music takes an eerie tone, and you can can almost, you can feel everything, you know, coming down around him, the darts hitting him in the back, and he's making a scramble to get to the exit before the entire temple, like, kind of collapses on him, and... You do that with both, um, as I mentioned before, the practical effects, but also the music that's going along with it. And it does it perfectly. Um, And uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of those examples, much like, again, what John Williams does in a lot of his movies like Star Wars and Jaws and E.T. The original soundtrack uh, perfectly... um, enhances the movie that you're watching so you're feeling everything when um arnold tolt comes into the Marians bar you know that you know sinister music that's playing when he walks in with his little with his gang um that uh sense of wonderment when Andy's in the map room as he's, you know, trying to figure out where to place the uh staff with the headpiece of Raw and, you know, finding out where the Well of Souls is and when there um when he does find it and he's digging everything is like I said is amazing when he's on the car and he's taking like I said, I love this movie, love a lot of aspects of this movie, so I warned you before, about the to ramble into it. Um, but let's try to give it a check, like I said, so the music is great, um, the beginning sequence, as I said before, that is also just amazing between, like, and you get, I think also another thing that this movie does is, there's an aspect that I always hear in a lot of reviews of show not tell. Um, a lot of movies now want to tell you like either through exposition or title sequences or just pop-ups of they're telling you the story of the character or they're telling you about the character. But with uh, the beginning of Raiders of the Lost Ark, it really shows you what you need to know about Indy. So let's kind of go into it real quick. Um in the very beginning, we see Indy with a small band of, we'll, we'll say just locals, because that's what they really are. It's not really his friends yet. So he's just with a small band of locals, and he's finding out, you know, like he's trailing this jungle for the, um, for this temple. Um, also on a side note, uh, Spielberg, of course, uh, simply wanted to find a mountain that looked like the Paramount logo because that's what he really that that's how he wanted to open the film. It wasn't just like, oh well, we filmed this and it looks like it. So I think that'd be a cool idea. No, he actually told the producer, I need a mountain that looks like the Paramount logo. And producer had to had to find a mountain that was that worked so they could actually start the film with that shot. But anyway, so we get Indy as he's walked through the forest and then he pulls out the uh, dart kind of pulls it out and lays it down. And while the uh, local guys kind of realize it's a local tribe and they have poison and they're a little bit freaked out because they're, they're around, but they haven't hunted them yet. And he kind of casually tosses it off. So it kind of just shows you that, yeah, he understands the danger, but because it's not an immediate threat, He's not worried about it, which kind of goes into his character is that if it's not immediate threat, he's not really worried about it. He's only he only worries about something if it's directly going to affect him. And if not, well, I'll just put that on the side. Um, as he's going through and before he gets to the temple, one of the guys decides to uh, try to get the drop and he hears the click of his gun And immediately takes his whip and knocks the gun out, which shows you that he can take care of himself and he's not. um, He understands like kind of the danger around him, basically. Like he's not he's not a fool. He's a fighter, basically, and he has good instincts, at least when it comes to like danger around him. Um, As he's going through the temple and the part with all the tarantulas, which I don't care for spiders myself. Uh, he's. Um, ca- as he When he finds out, when the guy tells him, well, you know, you have something on you and he sees the spiders, he just casually brushes them off again. You know, maybe it's just uh, Harrison Ford, because in truth, Harrison Ford's not afraid of those kind of things, but it kind of shows his character when it comes to, you know, certain like kind of things, as long as he, he knows they're not dangerous, so he's just kind of casually, okay, whatever, brush them off. And. He's and it shows his, you know, intelligence when he starts noticing like when he notices the light on how it shines and um, you know, he sets off a trap and realizes, okay, gotta stay out of the light. And then um again when he's in the main chamber and um you know, the the guy he's with him, he's like, Oh, it's this easy. We can just walk in and get it. He's like, No, it looks easy, but there's something wrong. And he sees the indention and realizes that it triggers the dart. So it shows his ingenuity on, um, you know, on getting on getting past obstacles. And then before all that, when he gets the sand, and I'd imagine that we'll have to assume that he does research. And I think that's what it shows is that when he gets to the when he gets to, um, <coughs> to the platform where the idol is. And he holds the bag with the sand that he had already gotten from earlier. You can understand that he's done a lot of research on this. So he knows that there's more. Or maybe that's something that happened in a previous adventure. And he has to kind of replace the idol with a counterweight. And, you know, he's pretty good at trying to get the right weight. But it also shows when it uh, strikes down that... He's not exactly perfect, also, um, and he he has to get out quickly. So he kind of uh, you know slightly forgets down the dart. And at that point, he's just winging it, trying to get out, trying to get out again. And I think that also shows another part of his character that, as much as he prepares for things. A lot of times he either messes up or he's surprised by a few things, so he kind of just makes it up, which goes into the line he says after when he finally gets out with him and Marion and actually get out of the Well of Souls, and he tells Sala, you know, hey, I need you to get a boat, get her on a boat, and I'm going to get the ark. And he's like, how you do that? It's like I don't know. I'm making this up as I go along, and I think that sums up Indiana Jones perfectly is that yeah he's a professor he's an archaeologist he does all this research beforehand he has a lot of knowledge he's got friends and you know compatriots that'll help him out but in the end when it comes down to you know actually when it when it, when it comes to actually you know doing the task he kind of does you know make it up as he goes so as I mentioned before that um you know we've got Indiana Jones who's played by Harrison Ford and if I'm looking at up uh, real quick because I'm just kind of curious. Uh, Harrison Ford at the time. Let's see what kind of roles he had during this because this was in '81, and no Star Wars was only about uh, was about four years earlier. So he had already done uh, Star Wars: New Hope. Let's see. Also in. Um, more American graffiti in '79. Um, Apocalypse Now in '79. Of course, uh, Empire Strikes Back was '80. Just before Ray's Lost Ark, and then after um, Ray's Lost Ark, he goes on to do Blade Runner, Return of the Jedi, and a whole lot of movies. Because Harrison Ford was a was a very busy man, and (laughs) even to this day, at um, how old is he again? I'm trying to remember. I Think he's 42, so doing the math, he's in his 80s, no, 70s, sorry, late 70s, still kind of a busy man, Um, but yeah, so we've got Harrison Ford, which his role was actually going to go, as a lot of people may know, was actually going to go to Tom Selleck, believe it or not, and there's shots of when he was... uh, you know auditioning for it and he really he was going to get the part but uh you know a little show called Magnum PI uh had already started filming and was like oh no we got Tom Selleck for this and hey that wor- that worked out for him uh and uh, funny enough he um, one of the one of the scenes that they show, or what that shots the kind of auditions they show, is he. Uh, it's the part where he goes to Marion at the bar, and Marion instead of being played by uh, Karen Allen is actually played by Sean Young, and she was another one that they had really thought of getting for the part. So we could have had um, Sean Young for uh, Marion, uh, Tom Selleck for Indiana Jones. And believe it or not, Sala, who's played by John Reese Davies, was actually going to be played by uh, Danny. They wanted Danny DeVito, so that's a (laughs) that makes it a very strange uh, movie. If you try to replace those three, uh, those the three actors we had of Raiders with those three actors, I think it makes it a lot different. Um, So let me kind of jump into. Marion, of course, played by as I said, Carrie Allen, Karen, sorry, Karen Allen, and um, she was a really good, like a you're not typical damsel in distress because she was a drinker. She had a bar. She's just like she first scene. She like <laughs> punches Indy for uh, ditching her a long time ago, and she's just a like a spitfire. She's amazing character that they really, like, they don't they don't do the female protagonist justice in a lot of kind of later movies and I kind of feel that they they really did a good job with her in this one uh, there's a couple of movies where, you know, they uh, I think they did a pretty good job with the female co-star and uh, there's a Certain '90s movie that I'm still gonna do that I feel is a great successor of the Indiana Jones franchise that I talked about before. But don't worry, we're definitely gonna get to it. But um, yeah, I think Marion was a great addition. Like the and they pay and everything in the movie pays off. Like we when we first see her, she's like drinking these uh, guys under the table, and it plays off when she's uh, captured. Um, By the Nazis, and she's talking with Belloc, and she decides to put on the dress and starts drinking to get away because she figures, oh, I can just drink this guy under the table and. Um, you know, get out. So um, that shows how resourceful she is. And, you know, she may not be like the greatest fighter in the world, but she she holds her own and is able to get herself out of situations. That's really cool. And then, of course, Sala, played by John Reese davies um, is, is like this great wingman and friend. He knows the contacts in the city. He's able to get, you know, a few... Uh, diggers to help him uh get to the ark he can get him supplies in and out of the city get him onto the he gets the uh boat you know for him to get off even though some things don't work out and things like that but he's a great you know partner to have and i think um jerry davis plays it perfectly and his voice and you know the times when he starts singing it's amazing and really you could you could give all the exposition to him and I would just listen to him the entire time. He's just got one of those voices, uh, like James L Jones and Morgan Freeman, Anthony Hopkins and, you know, countless other, you know, just, I think like theater actors that have that kind of grandiose, like voice that, you know, you could read the phone book and I'm enthralled for the next couple of hours. Um, but kind of getting back to Indy, showing that he's extremely knowledgeable, he's good, but not perfect. And then, of course, uh, when he gets when he's uh, running from uh, when he uh, sorry when he gets out of the temple, uh, Belloc is already there waiting for him, and Belloc's already uh, you know um, hoodwinked the local tribe. And they've killed the other partner that ran off, that pulled a gun on him. And Bell's like, oh, well, if you had spoke the language, you could tell him that I'm a piece of crap. <laughs> and, you know, and it kind of shows that, you know, Indy, he could be prepared to a point but there's sometimes where there's little details where he won't think it out through. Like he won't think this one part out, and it kind of comes to bite him. And he makes a mad. And again, he just makes a mad dash to the plane. And when he gets to the plane with a, um, I think a character we just don't see anymore. It's just a pilot, you know, for to get him out, to get him in and out. And um, he has a pet snake. And he just absolutely hates snakes. And I think even though that uh, Harrison Ford has stated that he, you know, he's fine with snakes, I think it's a cool character moment that you know, even though he's not afraid of spiders, he's not afraid of poison darts, not afraid of tipples falling around him or a an angry tribe trying to chase him. But when it comes to snakes, no, he has none of it. Uh, which gun? Like I said, this movie does a lot that's in the very beginning, and then it pays off in the Well of Souls where he has to where he has to try to navigate this entire chamber with nothing but snakes so again, this movie does a whole lot of things that are just amazing and I would be remiss to say that Indiana Jones shows that he is. Probably one of the smartest, at least in this instance, one of the smartest fighters for making a gun to a sword fight. That is just the... Because, and again, the music helps this. Because he gets to this cart where he thought Marion was not there. And the... Uh, you know, crowds all kind of walking around him, and all of a sudden, everybody parts, and the music gets dramatic because this big guy with a large scimitar is like, you know, standing in front of him, waving his sword. He's looking at him, and it's just funny because when you when you hear the music, you feel like it's going to be this intense, you know, this there's going to be this intense battle, and you have this big guy with a sword who's uh, obviously knows how to use it. And you're like, okay, this is gonna be this is gonna to be tough because he has to fight this, and then he has to go find Marion. Um, and when you look at Indy, he's kind of like, what? the, What? You know, you kind of imagine the inner dialogue, and him's was like, what is this? Uh, I'm, I've got other things I got to do. Just go away, because he and he even looks at him almost. He looks at him long enough to know where to aim his gun. Because after he pulled it off, be- before he even takes the shot, he's already turning around. As just to be like, no, I gotta, uh, I've i got other things to do. He just takes his gun, shoots him once, and he's like, okay, it's great. And the whole crowd, I don't know, maybe this guy had terrorized the town before Indy got there. but Because because they take the sword and are like waving it all around. You know, who knows, extras, or maybe that was the case where he just, like, beat up everybody in town before Indy came. But um, it's just the one of the greatest shots, and it emphasizes the whole movie in general. So, um, another thing I want to talk about is, like, you know, you've got, um, you know, John Williams in the music. C.S. Miller doing her directing. George Lucas, of course um you know being a producer and help with the story but also with lucas and uh, john williams you also have his company industrial light and magic which does the vfx for this and they pre- if you ever look up industrial light and magic they pretty much do the vx for everything i mean everything you've got things like um God, like, most of Marvel movies, James Bond movies, of course, all of the Star Wars. Um, they even do, like, a lot on Star Trek. Um, Back to the Future, just about everything and anything you can imagine that uses uh, special effects of any sort, industrial light and magic is there somewhere, is there in the background, they've like either worked on it. They've done it. Close Encounters of the Third Kind. Um, let me see if I can look it up. I know, I'm kind of running on time because we ran into this before with uh, my uh, previous podcast with uh, David from Car Thoughts with Dave. Is that? Uh, uh, Acre doesn't like it if you spend too much time on a podcast. And since we're at almost a 45 minute mark, uh, I'm gonna have to start wrapping this up soon. Um, but yeah, industrial item magic, uh, and it's also original founder company of the animation studio Pixar. So Pixar has its uh, partial beginnings in Industrial Light and Magic. So again, without them, you don't have all that Pixar does. Can't even get into that. The 2001 Space Odyssey. The Harry Potter films. Jurassic Park. Ghostbusters 2. Pirates of the Caribbean. Another series I want to do. The Men in Black. Terminator Transformers. Mission Impossible. list goes on. And like I said, there's like lots of TV shows that they pop up in. Now, as far as um, awards, since you got the Academy Awards coming up soon, and I thought it was good to mention this, *Raising the Lost Ark* was nominated for Best Picture, Best Director, Best Cinematography, and Best Original Score. That; those are the things that was nominated. Here's are the things that they nominated, and won. It won for Best Art Directing, Best Film Editing, Best Sound, Best Sound Effects. And sound editing and best visual effects. Now, this movie, um, and it was crazy, is that this movie only costs about 20 million. Now, t- trust me, 20 million dollars is a lot of money to me. You give me about even half that or even a quarter of that, I'm sold. But you know, this movie costs around 20 million dollars to make and. You have movies now that cost ten times more and are and are barely even half as good as this movie. And that is insane for the amount of things and one of the things I've seen on the production of this movie is that they actually make scale models. Which I think this was taken from George Lucas. Can you ever look at the Star Wars things, there's like giant scale models of like the Death Star and Um, most obviously things like that. And, uh, the behind the scenes of this too, there's scale, there's like little scale models of a lot of things like the, um, area where they take the arc in the final, um, in the final scene, the, uh, uh, city where Indy and Marion are, um, walking through, um, when they get jumped, uh, by the Nazi group and, um. Supposedly in Cairo, but I think it takes place in uh, Tunisia, I believe. But um, there's little scale models of that, of the Well of Souls, of a lot of things. And it's like, you know, they put so much time into preparation. And yet, it's like if they you could see where that money went. And at the time, I don't think, um, you know, people like, um, like I said, uh, Harrison Ford, Ken Allen, Jeremy... John Rhys-Davies, a lot of these actors probably weren't, like, um, demanding high paychecks. So, you can really tell that all that money went into the film, went into making this great, grand adventure that takes place over four different uh, countries and, like, spanning the globe. Um, And when I tell you that, like, every little piece of this movie has been made into other things. I mean, the music is taken from a lot of different places. Like I said, there's a 90s movie that I want, that I will be doing that, you know, you have to tell me they, they had to take inspiration from it. Um, one of the things I want to talk about is World of Warcraft. There's a, uh, in the World of Warcraft expansion called Cataclysm, there's an entire section in um, Aldum Tolvier, where you're fine, where you're uh, helping a archaeologist named Harrison Jones, and the entire level is basically nothing but a montage, uh, a, uh, uh, oh, what's the word? A homage. Sorry, it's an homage to Raiders of the Lost Ark. I mean, the, all the quests, all the. Uh, Sites everything you do throughout the entire section of this game is pretty much just replicated Rains of lost Ark and there's and i, I know a lot of people uh, that I used to play with like didn't care for it being a fan of Rains of lost Ark I loved every minute of it and it was just too much fun but I mean um, there's that you've got the um, the whole uh kind of sequence in the middle where he's uh, Whatever he takes to play, and he's going uh, to, uh, you know, from San Francisco to Nepal, that whole like red line through the map, and you know, kind of change directions at the different airports. That's taken from uh, a. A lot, like a lot of movies have taken that. A lot of games they have taken that. Also, uh, one thing I started note- I noticed in... Um, so, one game... One recent game that I haven't really played is called PUBG. Which is a Player Unknown's Battleground. It's been really popular. A lot of people... You'll see a lot of videos and stuff about it. But one of the funniest thing about it is that you can get a frying pan. And use it as a shield. And you can even use it as a weapon to hit people. And... Of course, if you remember Indiana Jones, Marion gets a pan, and when she's faced with a guy with a knife, at first she runs off into a door, but then you hear the bing, and the guy's knocked out, and she pulls him in. So, I really feel that it, it, even though yes, you know you, there are a whole lot of movies where a pan is used at some point, I feel like. The, the first time was in this movie it was in Indiana Jones but it kind of showed you that this movie just inspired so much across the board and there are so many different spinoffs there's replications there's sequels that have been good and bad on both ends but you can definitely see where it's just a whole lot that this, that inspired this movie and it all began here so again, like I said, uh, this um, anchor does like to keep it at under an hour. We've gone over 50 minutes. And trust me, I can go on another 50 minutes because there's just a lot of things that I haven't even going to go over. But the main thing is I think Indiana Jones or sorry, Raiders of the Lost Ark. I see I even keep calling it Indiana Jones, Raiders of the Lost Ark because that's how at least for a while – I grew up understanding it as. But Raiders of Lost Ark is a great action film. It holds up today. Even though maybe a few shots of CG are not the greatest. But I think it still holds up. Um, it is just a great adventure movie. It's a great action movie. Um, it's a great soundtrack. The dialogue is great. The cinematography is amazing. It is, like I said, the best movie. And if you... If you haven't seen it, you need to see this movie. It is available on almost every platform you can think of so you can, you will not miss out. If you have seen it, see it again because anytime this is on, you will you will always be entertained with Indiana Jones and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Um, so that I'm going to leave you. Um, like I said, I hope everyone's had a great week. Um, we're going to be I'm going to start kicking off. Like I said, hopefully uh, this kind of cold will kind of die away soon. And, um, you know, and next week will, you know, hopefully won't be feeling any worse. Um, but I will definitely, uh, like I said, I've got a lot of different things that I want to uh, kind of go into and talk about. And the, the other Ian Jones movies uh, possibly some other movies and some books that i definitely do. I'm going to start, uh, I'm going to try to stagger them so it's not all like, you know, movies or all shows or all books, but I'm going to try to space them out the best I can. But again, if you have, um, you know, in comments you want to tell me how much, you know, what you liked about Indiana Jones or your favorite scenes or favorite aspects of it, you can always um, respond to me on um, on the podcast, but you can also reach me an email at the morning journal at gmail.com. You can also reach me on Twitter at morning star journal journal spelled J R N L. So morning star J R N L journal. Um, you can also reach me on Instagram at morning journal. And I hope everyone had a good week. Um, Hope your 2019's kicking off great, and I will talk to you next week. Peace.